0: Doody doody little buckaroo. Do you like animals? We sure do. So come on down to the
1: weekly meeting of the Animal Fan Club. Cuckoo! Cuckoo!
0: The cuckoo clock is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock. So ring that buzzer. It sounds like a lion roar. roar! And open the door to join us for the 65th meeting of the Animal Fan Club.
1: I'm the hostess cupcake of Simeon's, Meredith.
0: And I'm a freshly shorn alpaca, Mike.
1: And we meet every week at our clubhouse we like to call the Dalmatian Station. <laughs> to talk about our favorite animals.
0: While we lack an expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow! So, saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest... Finfield, and Feathered Podcast in all of the kingdom, Amelia.
1: Nice job today, Mike. Thanks. I have a feeling this is going to be a good one.
0: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of positive animal energy right now, I got to say.
1: Oh, yeah? Any specific animals?
0: Uh, well, that's a good question, Meredith. I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> I'm feeling like a sleepy, sleepy, hibernating... <laughs> I feel like my home is complex. I feel like there's multiple rooms that have different purposes. Yes. And I feel like I'm just sleeping a lot.
1: We are in these winter months. I do not blame you. Mm-hmm. I was feeling very much that way last week. I was thinking my animal energy kind of along in similar lines is that I was feeling like a groundhog because I'm getting like springtime vibes and I want to start poking my little nose out of my little burrow, uh-huh. which is also very complex. With some new ephemera shelves, I might Ooh,
0: ephemera shelf update.
1: But then today, so it has been kind of warm. It's been nice out, you know, and warm, and people have had their windows open. It's very lovely. And then today, the temperature plummeted. And then I feel like one of those greyhounds that's, like, outside but needs to wear a little jacket because their fur isn't, you know... um, I guess, thick and hardy enough to protect them from the cold. Uh-huh. So I'm doing a little oscillation between groundhog and greyhound. Okay.
0: But firmly in the, <laughs> well, I guess, GR category.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'm firmly GRing. Grr. Grr is right. We both had a similar animal encounter in that we both cooked pork shoulders. <laughs>
0: Oh, no way. Recently. Oh, my gosh. Have I told you about the pressure cooker? No. Oh, there's a pressure cooker <gasps> now, too.
1: Oh, how do you like it?
0: It's amazing.
1: I come across recipes for pressure cooker stuff all the time, and I'm like, if only I had one.
0: The pressure cooker showed up at the apartment. It was unboxed. <laughs> a trip to the grocery store was made. Another trip to the butcher was made. Yes. A five-pound chunk of meat was purchased. Mm-hmm. It was returned to the home, and then, like grilled or you know saute setting and like kind of seared mm-hmm. and then put in the pressure cooker and made pot roast in less time than the pork shoulder spent in the oven
1: wow yeah wow yeah that's impressive yeah, yeah. my pork shoulder spent seven plus hours in the oven i hate
0: to i hate to imply that i'm actually making this so i will qualify and say that my boyfriend brandon is the one that's cooking all the food i see But I'm just reporting facts.
1: Yes. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I, you know, I was a vegetarian for a very long time. So this is kind of a new world for me. But I really had a great experience. I, like, went to, um, I, like, called ahead and I was like, I need an eight pound pork shoulder. And he was like oh, we got that for you, and, like, hooked me up, and then it was, like, the same guy I went and picked it up from, and he was, like, so cute. He was, like, the nicest guy, Shotzi's Butcher on the Upper West Side, and, like, long time – I mean, they're Shotzi's Butchers have been in New York since, like, the 20s, I think, so it's, like, a long family establishment, and he was the nicest, nicest guy, like, wanted to know all about how I was going to cook it, and – It was quite an experience. It sat in the oven, like I said, for like seven hours. We did it like Korean style pork shoulder. Uh It was good. I mean, it was a little overwhelming like for a former non-meat eater to be like going that full bore. (laughs) No pun intended.
0: It's a lot of meat and it's kind of like... It is. It's just a long time to be preparing something. Yes. And then you have a lot of stuff that you have to then deal with
1: right right we ate pork for days oh yeah and now I'm a I'm a little like OD'd on the piggy but
0: (laughs) we've only gotten the half shoulder because between the two of us that's like first that's that's pork for like way too much the first night yeah like a moderate amount the second night and like maybe not enough the third the third night so i think we just perhaps need to be better in our pork allocation. (laughs) but when that shit is fresh out of the oven like how do you not just put all of it in your mouth yeah it was
1: it was really good we had it with all kinds of like it's like ginger scallion sauce and this like vinegar sauce it was delicious ate it with like bib lettuce leaves Mm, rice Mm,
0: yeah yeah that sounds that sounds really great yeah
1: it was great well i guess you know enough pig talk
0: yeah this isn't a pork preparation podcast
1: no this is not a cooking podcast
0: no um (laughs) yeah i guess um
1: how we just get into it i think i'm first
0: yeah yeah i go wait it's uh what day is it it's tuesday oh wait it's it's
1: (laughs) that's not how we do it
0: no we don't do it by days okay (laughs) wait it's an odd number episode Okay, so that means... So I go, go first. first. Right. Ladies first, episode one.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's Tuesday.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: All right. Ready? Ready? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clearly, okay. Okay. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who.
1: Texana me. Kingdom. And Amelia. To know them is to love them. File Cordata Spines are for tingling. Class. Aves. This one's for the boids. Order. Sula forms, as recognized by the IOU. Family. Sulidae, medium-large-coastal seabird. Genus. Sula. No implants here. These are true boobies. Species. Sula nebuxi. The bluer the feet, the kissier the beak. It's the blue-footed booby.
0: Oh, the booby makes an appearance!
1: Finally, so this is another installment from my Dirty Birds Mug series. Um, So you'll have to you'll have to tune into prior episodes to hear about other dirty birds, including the woodcock and the southern screamer. (laughs) (laughs) But today we have the blue-footed booby, and I cannot tell you what a delight this was to put together. I was just giggling. and Because these guys are really cute. They're kind of full of personality. And their relatives are also kind of fun as well to learn about. So let's just get into it.
0: I'm here for it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So let's just quickly go through some tax facts. Some interesting things in here. So um, class Aves, we know, is birds, my favorite. So order the suliforms. Um, So, suliformes also uh, includes cormorants, frigate birds, shags, and gannets. Um, So, these are all water birds. Okay. So, these are going to be like birds that typically eat a lot of fish, hang out in coastal areas. Sure. um, Ocean birds. So, these guys were formerly categorized under the pelicaniforms, which I believe has come up with other birds that we've done. And this is what they were categor. This is what the blue-footed booby was categorized in my wildlife fact file, which, as we've learned, is out of date.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not updated as regularly as the internet.
1: No, no, I think the last update was like when I received my last packet in 1992. <laughs> so pelicaniforms before was like this huge order, like it encompassed a lot, but it's now. Um, So those folks over at the International Ornithologists Union, the IOU, so they've kind of put the order of pelicaniforms under scrutiny because before they've identified it essentially as um, polyphyletic, meaning that it was an order where birds with, say, similar characteristics, morphologies, would be grouped together, although they didn't share some sort of common ancestor Whereas to kind of break pelicaniforms into smaller groups that do reflect or do kind of trace through a common ancestor, it's believed to be a little bit more accurate. So that's how we get suliforms as opposed to pelicaniforms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So now we can get into the family of sulidae, not to be confused with sueidae to go back to pork. So sulidae is these birds. The boobies and the ganets. It's not pigs, hogs, and boars.
0: Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. Sure.
1: <laughs> I was like, what? Sui day? Suli day. Suli day. And I will say the Suli day, they have to be some of the most like sartorial or like high fashion of the birds because if you look at pictures of ganets, uh-huh. any of the boobies, they are so striking in their features. Like oftentimes, like the the way the plumage is colored, like you'll just have these really like sharp lines. There's not kind of a lot of fading. It's like you'll have like a black, like like the head will be black and then it'll be like strongly cut across the front and just go right into like a big white section. Or you'll have like really interesting coloration, kind of like cool like eyeshadow moments on them. They're so beautiful looking. They and, sound
0: really gorgeous.
1: And if you just look up, say, what was the one? I think it was like the brown-footed booby was hilarious, the red-footed booby, which I'd never seen before. Oh my goodness. These birds are like nailing it. But they also they're not only the most like high fashion of the birds, but they're also medium to large coastal seabirds who plunge dive for fish. So we'll talk about what plunge diving means, though I think it is kind of self-explanatory.
0: Is it diving while plunging or plunging down? Yeah. Plunging underwater while diving, like diving underwater?
1: Yeah, well, it's like you're flying through the sky and then you just kind of like dive towards towards the water and plunge in and grab your fish snack. So that's plunge diving. Nice. Yeah, so they plunge out of the air into the water. Okay, so moving into the genus of Sula, So as I said in the text here, this is no implants here. These are true boobies. And so this is where we're dealing with our red-footed boobies, our blue-footed boobies, our brown-footed boobies, all these awesome birds. And the name "booby" actually comes from Spanish slang for bobo, which means stupid fellow. (laughs) Because apparently these birds are really clumsy on land. And they're also, they don't really have like a strong sense of fear. So I guess they're just kind of easily taken over by predators because they're like,
0: duh, uh. Uh.
1: Yeah. So that's why they're known as dumb, but I think they're actually pretty great. Um, and then finally, the species of blue-footed booby, which is known for its characteristically bright blue and webbed feet. Okay. So now we can get into it. So first let's talk about where they live. So they're in the tropical and subtropical islands of the Pacific Ocean, so kind of down like around the Southern California Gulf and kind of down um, into Central and South America as far south as Peru. But most famously, so about half of all of the boobies will breed on the Galapagos Islands, Uh home to like some of the coolest animals out there. And I'd love to go there someday.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Some of the most famous. Yeah, like out the there.
1: Galapagos tortoise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where they hang out in terms of appearance. So I've talked about this a little bit. So they've got kind of like brown and white plumage around their heads. And but that fades into essentially this like pure white chest. Um, pure white chest feathers. And then there's dark brown feathers on their wings. Their beaks are greenish gray, but they're also like super duper pointy. And the beaks themselves are serrated. So when they do that plunge dive into (gasps) the water, it helps them catch those slippery fish.
0: Yeah, fish are slippery.
1: They (laughs) sure are. And so, and then we get to talk about their blue webbed feet. So that actually comes from like the lipids in the fresh fish that they eat. So, like, the more well fed and the more diverse their diet is, the bluer their feet. But also, so the blue feet, the brightness of the blue feet corresponds also with kind of their age because the blue will fade as they get older, but it also just is an indicator of health. And we'll talk a little bit about that more later.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So it indicates youth and then also like essentially their virility mm-hmm. um, and their attractiveness as a mate. So in general, they're kind of goose sized. So they're kind of big, bulky birds. Um but the females are larger, so they're about four pounds, and the males are about three pounds. So we can talk a little bit more about their feeding. We have mentioned it a little bit. So they fly through the air over the water to spot a fish, and at which point they will just dive into the water to catch the fish with that kind of like serrated knifey beak that they have. But sometimes they hunt in booby teams. <laughs> booby
0: teams. Booby teams.
1: Booby teams, team booby.
0: Is that two by two?
1: No, unfortunately, it's like more of like a total recall situation where there's like more than two boobs. Ah. Yeah. So essentially, and this is cute, like one booby will be flying and they say they spot a fish. They'll kind of whistle out to team booby and they all like synchronize their dive into the water together.
0: Whoa. They're like, we gotta do it now, guys. Let's do it.
1: They're so cool. Yeah. It's awesome. And then this, I found this really interesting is that, so given the different sizes uh, between the males and the females, they hunt different kinds of fish because the smaller boobies can hunt, the smaller male boobies can hunt in like the shallower coastal areas and catch the smaller fish, which they feed to the babies when they're at younger stages of their development. Whereas the mommies catch bigger fish in deeper water, which are fed to the babies as they grow and grow. Um, Okay. So now we can get to breeding and courtship. And this is where it gets like really cute. And I recommend everybody go on YouTube. There's a lot of videos of the boobies doing their courtship dance, which is great. So essentially, the male just wants to show off his pretty blue feet. And so he'll just kind of do this like high. He kind of like shifts from one side to the other, showing on like lifting his feet, like kind of doing like a high step showing off his cute little feet. Mm-hmm. And then he'll also present the female with nest materials, like sticks and twigs and grasses. So he gives those to her as a gift. And then he'll also do what's called sky pointing. So he'll point his beak up into the air and then raise his wings out to the side. And then if the female is responsive, she'll do the same thing. So you will have these two boobies that like are looking up and then have their wings like raised up together
0: it's kind of like the ark of the covenant sort of thing
1: a little bit it's like some like weird like cult ritual or something yeah.
0: well crows i mean you know
1: right 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 say they do consummate the meeting she likes the look of his feet yeah so she will then lay two to three eggs on bare ground But the eggs are usually laid like five days apart. They're not laid at the same time. So you have babies kind of on like a different developmental trajectory five days apart, which is in some ways meant to cut down on sibling rivalry. But, but this is a huge but. When food is scarce, this actually, I think, will result in some in some of the most insane sibling rivalry I've ever heard of. So say when food is scarce Privilege will be given to the bigger chick, essentially to ensure that at least one survives. But the siblings themselves participate in what's called, see if I can get this word right, faculative siblicide. So, one, like, say, chick A, like, will literally, faculative, so like, faculty, like, calculate to kill their weaker sibling. (sighs) And they'll, like, do this by, like, viciously pecking at them. Or they'll, like, take them by the neck and drag them out of the nest. I mean, it's, like, really vicious, and the parents don't necessarily... Yeah,
0: Meredith, never trust a bird. That's what hey. I'm trying to tell you, and I've been trying to tell you for a while.
1: Hey, now. Hey, now. Pigeons saved a lot of lives in World War One. Sure. Okay? They trusted those pigeons to deliver those messages. Yeah. Over enemy lines.
0: And they did, and it was great.
1: Well, anyway, these little baby boobies are vicious, but some other cute things here. So boobies lack um, what are called brooding patches, which are like bare spots of skin, (laughs) which other birds do have. So normally say like you're talking about like a goose, I guess they have what's called this brooding patch, which is like featherless skin that they then sit on the eggs with. So it's that direct contact with like the skin on the egg that kind of conducts the heat over the eggs. Mm. The boobies don't have that. So what they use is their feet. Mm. So they keep the eggs warm under their little feet.
0: Their blue feet.
1: Their blue feet. These guys are all about their blue feet.
0: Yeah. That's like, it's like calm down already, dudes. Like we get it.
1: I know they're just, (laughs) we get it. Your feet are bright blue.
0: You have blue feet. It's cool.
1: But after the boobies hatch, baby boobies, they actually sit on top of the feet for about a month to continue to like, use the heat generated by the feet. And then in terms of feeding, the babies will reach into both daddy and mommy's open mouths to eat their regurgitated food.
0: (laughs) Relatable. Hmm.
1: It's
0: like the Thanksgiving that went all wrong.
1: Oh my gosh, that was that SNL skit. Do you remember that from the 90s? It was like Juliana Margulies was the host. The boy brought her home as like his date for Thanksgiving. And that's where she learns that... He can't digest food or he he lacks like saliva or something to break down his own food. So his parents like chew all the food and spit it into his mouth. Whoa. It's pretty gross, but they show it every year around Thanksgiving. It's great. Yeah.
0: I don't think I've seen that one. My favorite vintage SNL is the love toilet.
1: What is that?
0: It's like a couple's toilet where you sit kind of like side by side, but facing the opposite direction. Yeah, it's for like couples that are so in love that they can't be apart when they're in the bathroom together.
1: Oh, that is funny. Yeah,
0: I think one of the writers was madly in love at the time of writing that.
1: Must have been, must have been. I mean, that's the extent of my booby talk.
0: I thought it was breathtaking.
1: It was breathtaking. Breathtaking. <laughs> Who?
0: Okay, uh, the Pacific Ocean, but the America, like the eastern rim of the Pacific Ocean, like along the Americas. Yes. And s- into South America.
1: Yes. Yes, and many, many on the Galapagos mm-hmm. Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I don't know that I know exactly where the Galapagos Islands are.
1: Um, So off the coast of, um, I think, I want to say Ecuador would be the closest mm-hmm. mainland country, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's off the, I guess, western coast of South America. Yeah. 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 In booby territory. In booby territory. So?
0: Cool. Yeah, I guess I don't really have any breast questions or booby <laughs> questions for you.
1: Well, you know where to find me if you have any.
0: I do, I do. Um, break time? Yeah. When it comes to music, we all know that horses,
1: horses love grunge and all that goes with it.
0: Plannel blankets.
1: Long stringy hair.
0: An overriding sense of ennui.
1: I mean, just look at those long faces.
0: Until now,
1: with Brand Clubby's newest musical offering.
0: Hey, that's what I call Barn Grudge, Volume 1.
1: This hard-riding, hoof-pounding album features today's hottest four stars, including
0: Allison Reigns with Here Comes the <laughs> Rooster and Glue Factory.
1: And Pearl Barley with their smash hits. Jeremy made in class today. And even full
0: Or Saddle Garden's Brooding Jams, Black Hoof Sun, and Burden in My Maid.
1: And we can't forget Navana with
0: Smells Like Teen Carrot.
1: All apologies. I trampled you.
0: Horseshoe shaped box.
1: And as you are.
0: Don't gallop away from your chance to experience the best of the Seattle farm scene with...
1: Hey! That's what I call Barn Grunge Volume 1!
0: And if you order within the next 15 minutes, you'll also receive a full-size poster of Kurt Gromain, perfect for any stable wall.
1: Order yours Uh today. Oh, it just got so spooky in here. You know what that means. It's time for Animal Magazines.
0: It is time for Animal (laughs) Magazines.
1: (laughs) Well, I found a really interesting one. And I picked this because I don't know if you saw the news about how they cloned a ferret successfully
0: i have not
1: oh yeah it happened i guess it was like a couple weeks ago well i mean whoa she's that's almost grown now i mean she's still a young thing her name is elizabeth ann which was almost my name i could have shared a name with a ferret
0: maybe you're actually a ferret
1: (laughs) maybe (laughs) i was looking through my animal magazine options and came across the and this is not a joke the duke duke ferret magazine
0: not duke duke
1: Duke Duke Ferret Magazine. I've like checked many sources. This is for real. So it's like a um, publication of ferretworld.com and you can buy individual issues. I don't know if it's something you can like subscribe and have your mailman bring you. I hope so. So it looks like the first issue was from 2017 and it was the Ferret Love edition. Not Ferret Love. <laughs> so I think it came in February, I'm assuming. So some of the topics included how to strengthen the bond with your ferret. Does your ferret love you? The hidden dangers of ferret breeding. What is it about ferrets that we love so much? And everybody's favorite, the ferret of the month. (laughs) I wonder if that ferret gets like a full like centerfold
0: (laughs) I hope so me
1: too they deserve it but I, I clicked through and I looked at some of their other special editions and those included ferrets around the world amazing ferrets and ferret diets
0: ferret diets yeah (laughs) for the ferret that's trying to slim slim down a few pounds
1: or just diet in the sense of like what they eat in general
0: oh what you feed ferrets yeah i guess what does a ferret eat oh well because that was part of my lizard journey was i was like i don't want to be getting freaking gut-loaded crickets over here you know so i was looking at like lizards that eat fruits and insects and things i wonder what a ferret eats probably like mollusks and
1: well there was another issue of duke duke ferret that i saw um or it was like why you should feed your ferret eggs okay so i think and mm. i will i do know that because they are like weasels they're mustelids that they do eat other i know that their relatives the ermines eat chipmunks so i'm assuming they it's probably meat of some sort ferret feed mm-hmm. i bet they eat could eat like cat food i don't know don't at me i don't know I'm just assuming.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's Duke Duke Ferret Magazine.
0: That's great. Thank you for that.
1: You're welcome.
0: Well, Meredith, when we decided to do animal magazines, I thought to myself, what magazine would a horse girl want? Because, you know, horse girls, I feel like horse girls are in the ether right now. Like, people are talking about horse girls. People are, like, acknowledging past horse girl tendencies. People are... <laughs> clarifying their, like, horse girl inclinations and everything. So I'm like, well, what about a modern-day horse girl? Where is she to turn? And it turns out the name of the magazine is Young Rider.
1: Oh. (laughs) I love this.
0: Yes. It is the only magazine of its kind specifically for and about horse crazy tweens and teens ages 8 to 15. (laughs) For over 20 years, it's delivered a fun-filled mixture of English and Western riding instruction, horse care tips, contests, beautiful color posters, and stories about real kids. Young Rider continues to encourage and inspire kids to pursue their passion for better riding and horsemanship. I would say horse horse ridership, maybe. That would be better. Yeah. I mean, all these pictures are girls and your main uh, horse girl ship, perhaps. <laughs> Oh, man. From need to know facts about horse care and training to fun stories about real kids and their riding adventures. Young Rider is full of entertaining and educational articles for kids who love
1: horses. That's so sweet.
0: Yeah, it's actually really great. There are back issues available on the website just back to summer 2020. So that gives you an idea of just how popular it is. Uh, Let's see some of these some of these articles. There's a Expose on a young rider who's doing great in the barrel racing world. (laughs) There's an article called Choosing a Horse Camp. You've waited months for this. It's finally time to reserve your spot at horse camp. (laughs) Yay! You need to do this in January or February to avoid camps running out of space so you can get an early bird discount. There you go. There's a barrel racing short story, The Case of the Tipping Barrels. Sounds like a mystery. (sighs) Oh. (laughs) rules to feed a horse by like your ferret diets
1: yes yes
0: uh balancing act develop a sense of security in the saddle rain ready introducing your horse to a rain slicker diy spread love and horse cupcakes it's a bunch of cupcakes that are arranged in the shape of a horse
1: so not cupcakes for horses right right yeah
0: oh wait Oh, wait a second. It says, this Valentine's Day, show your barn buddies that they are the frosting to your cupcake with this amazing horse cupcake cake. (gasps) I'm curious. Is a barn buddy like a horse or a human? That's my main (laughs) question. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what the. uh, Barn buddies? Is it okay to feed the horses? I guess I don't know.
1: I guess it depends on what's in it yeah barn buddies
0: it's i mean i don't know i i guess you hope that there's an adult in the room yeah you know yeah or, or at least that the child is knowledgeable enough ho- about horses that they've read some of the horse feeding rules you know but yeah this is like really cute it's a really like this. fun and vibrant vibe there yeah there's resources for camps and lessons and kind of a division of articles it just seems like a lifestyle horse ownership there's a tax shop nice there's information about horse breeds if you spend long enough on the website it gives you a boom and then like a pop-up bar comes <laughs> out of the bottom and it says get horse related content straight to your inbox every week from horse illustrated so they seem to be affiliated with horse illustrated
1: I like to see that swimsuit issue
0: yeah those sound like a couple of good animal mags.
1: Yeah, oh my goodness. That is really adorable. I love that that magazine exists. <laughs> yeah. For young writers.
0: Horse crazy teens and tweens.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so innocent. It's so sweet. Oh my goodness. Well, that was great. I feel renewed.
0: I Page,
1: your Texana, you. Texana, we. Texana, who?
0: Texana, me. Kingdom. Animalia. A doy doy doy. Phylum. Chordata. I'm back in the spinal groove. Class. Reptilia. Cold blooded tetrapods. Order. Squamata. Scale, scale, scales family diplodactylidae geckos of australia new zealand
1: genus
0: corollifus a genus with three species species siletus the crested gecko it's a very popular gecko for home gecko enthusiasts
1: <laughs> i like that you're back in the spinal groove
0: you know, back in the spinal groove
1: yay
0: yeah i'm leaving my jellies behind for just a moment um,
1: Mike's jellies More on
0: that later. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jellies. That was fun. It was a good time. I'm. Don't worry. I'm coming back. I because I, I'm finally starting to grasp. You know.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: Kingdom Animalia. Duh. Phylum Chordata. Uh, back in the spinal groove. Back in the spinal <laughs> groove. Okay. Class Reptilia. Reptiles. We know them. Cold-blooded tetrapods. Right. Order Squamata. Squamates. These are lizards and snakes. And squamates is the second largest order of vertebrates after persiform fishes.
1: Yes, I think we got... Uh, maybe we have this one down but
0: I now. think we do have it down. There are over 10,900 species of squamates. They're distinguished by their skin. It bears horny scales or shields. So it's not reptiles that have scales. It's right. squamates that have scales. There are other reptiles like the crocodilians, that do not have scales. They have scoots, but they don't have scales.
1: That's right. So what was the what was the trio again? It was Horns, Scales and Shields.
0: Uh is that a song by Cher?
1: Yeah, well that's what I did when I was doing knee, scales and shields.
0: Horny, scales and shields. Yeah, that's right. I remember that now. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're they're also able to move their upper jaw relative to the neurocranium. Right. Which I guess is where your brain is, your cranial, the part of the cranium that holds the brain, I guess, is what I would consider to be a neurocranium. So it means that they can articulate their top jaw in a way that we humans can't. Right. And so that's particularly visible in snakes.
1: Yes. They go like, ah! Open it all all wide to swallow those hmm. big creatures they're eating. Now
0: we before. get down to the suborder, the geckata. <laughs>
1: I'll
0: let you guess what those are. Geckos. Yep. Then the family Diplodactylidae. There's about 137 species in 25 genera. These are in Australia, New Zealand, and New Caledonia. Do you know?
1: So geckos about New Caledonia? are only? I don't. Well, this is
0: the family no. of geckos. So it's a, the it's, suborder is. Gakata. And those can live. And that's all oh, okay. geckos. And then amongst the suborder Gekata, there are several families of geckos. One of those families is gotcha. Diplodactylidae. I don't know about the other families of geckos. I, I didn't okay. look into them.
1: No worries. Yeah. But no, New Caledonia. What is that?
0: Well, uh, that's kind of like northeast-ish of New Zealand. So we're talking about Pacific Islands that are like okay. kind of it's similar to the Galapagos, you know, it's like a mm-hmm. little bit inside of the sphere that we know about and not Hawaii. <laughs> but it's like down by Australia and New Zealand.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kind of like northwest of all that
1: stuff. Okay. So towards Indonesia,
0: maybe? Uh, further east than that.
1: Oh, oh, okay. huh? Wow.
0: So like out, like kind of like from... Australia, New Zealand, like northeast, like out into the open ocean.
1: I see. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha.
0: It's like part of that. Like maybe Micronesia. Maybe that's what it's called. Okay. But I would say like Eastern Oceania, <laughs> perhaps like Eastern Australia even. I don't know. I'm not a geographer. But this family, Diplodactylidae, is from there. Okay. Genus Corellifus. It's a genus with three species. And the species... Ciliatus Ciliatus. (laughs) It's the crested gecko I think ciliatus because their Crests look like little cilia
1: Oh, And
0: they're like Kind of like eyelashes it's almost like it has Like an eyelash gecko (laughs) And then there's like kind of like Lines down the side that have Like spikes this is one Of the most Popular domestic Gecko species for a Home lizard enthusiast
1: Oh, yes. I'm looking at them now. Yes. Which
0: is why we're here. Right. Oh. So,
1: this is very cute. Yeah. I don't know if you can see. Maybe. Yeah. Like, he's like, posing. I know. I
0: know. <laughs> I know. They look very elegant.
1: Yes. How cute. Yeah. Oh.
0: They're Aww. about six to 10 inches in length, which includes four to six inches of tail. So, you know, they're <laughs> a good percentage tail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They have toes and their both their toes and the tip of their sort of like semi-prehensile tail has a bunch of small hairs called setae huh i
1: can see and, them kind of yeah and
0: that is believed to be the structure that helps the gecko climb on most surfaces by using the uh a, a weak van der Waals force which is a <laughs> It's like an atomic thing. So these these lizards are essentially like manipulating atoms with their little uh, magic spatulae, fucking fingers, man.
1: I think I also read about that Vanderval.
0: Vandervals. Think
1: of like Vanderval's rules, like Vanderpump. No Vanderval. I think I read about that with the housefly.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a very weak force, but it somehow it like maximizes the use of it.
1: Right, you know? right.
0: Okay, so. They're mostly arboreal. They like trees. They like the canopy of the New Caledonian rainforests. (laughs) They can jump pretty well. They're crepuscular. They'll spend the daylights sleeping in secure spots in high branches. They're not necessarily like the fiercest climbing gecko. (laughs) Like the Tokei gecko is like a fiercer climber, but like they can still climb. Got it. They shed a lot. Like, up to once a week when they're babies. And when they're full grown, it can be, like, one to two months they'll shed.
1: Like, their whole skin
0: mm-hmm. suit? Mm-hmm. hmm
1: Whoa.
0: It was long believed to be extinct, but it was rediscovered in 1994 after a tropical storm, which is kind of part of, I think, what's so wild about it being such a popular domestic animal now that, like, in 1994, they were like, oh, we thought these geckos were all dead, but here's a bunch of live
1: ones. Yeah.
0: And now they're everywhere. They've been a pretty quick... It's a quick rise to fame for the gecko.
1: (laughs) Meteoric rise.
0: Mm -hmm. There's been reports of females laying eggs with no sexual activity from a male, which sounds like chickens, for the record. Oh. But there have been no confirmed cases of asexual reproduction in geckos. Instead, they... Reproduce sexually And we don't know a lot. I mean like We thought they were extinct Until 94 We don't necessarily know How they do it in the wild But we know that In captivity They will breed At Whenever The lady will lay Two eggs They'll hatch 60 to 150 days After they're laid Eggs are generally laid At four week intervals As long as They The ladies have a Decent fat and calcium Reserve You know hatch. Yeah So Uh <laughs> It's, it's the, they have like two sacks for calcium on the roofs of their mouths, which feels like a good place to keep a calcium sack. (laughs) And if she, if the lady doesn't have enough calcium, her calcium sack will be depleted and she'll suffer from a calcium deficiency, which would lead to a calcium crash, which is the thing you have to watch for in your pet lizard. So look. I'm looking. Oh, there's a, Okay. (laughs) So the lady, the lady lays the eggs every four to six weeks, but that goes on for just eight to ten months. And then there's a cooling period where she like takes a little bit of time
1: off. Take some time for her.
0: Mm hmm. And if you have to, when you're keeping these geckos in captivity, you have to initiate the cool down period and like separate the lady from the boys. Otherwise, she'll just keep reproducing until her calcium sacs are depleted.
1: Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Gives and gives and gives.
0: The reason why I got interested in these geckos is because I've just been considering ways to bring life into my home. You know, there's this like trendy thing to do now is to grow like mushrooms on your countertop, like blue, blue oyster mushrooms or like lion's mane mushrooms. Oh, yeah. And so, I, yeah. So I'm like my friends are doing it. I am have a kit that I've ordered that's coming in the end of March sometime. And I'm gonna grow oyster mushrooms in my home. I'm the most excited about it.
1: That's so fun. I haven't heard about this trend, but I think that that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's super duper fun. And so I have been watching a lot of YouTube content about like the cultivation of uh, mushrooms, and also about like uh, research of. Um, the I, I've been like. Uh, It's extended into a lot of, like, home gardens and things. And I'm thinking, like, well, if I start growing this, then, like, I should get plants, too. And then it's not a far leap from plants to, like, a terrarium where, like, a bunch of plants could live. And then it's like, well, what if I wanted a living terrarium with, like, insects to, like, clean up the litter? And then it's like, well, now I've just made a creature habitat, so I should probably get a creature. So I've sort of, like, lived this fantasy pet journey about, like, how much fun it would be to have a gecko. Oh! And it's what's taken me to here.
1: I was going to ask what, what took you to here. I love, That sounds so fun. Yeah,
0: it was a YouTube journey. It really started with the like, okay, I'm going to grow fungus. I'm going to grow some plants. I need to get plants in this apartment. Yeah. And then like, well, maybe I should put a bunch of plants in an aquarium with a water feature.
1: Love a water feature.
0: Yeah. And I learned that like the basic technique to making a... Uh, To making an aquarium or like a terrarium or a vivarium is that you create the topography with like a spray insulation foam. Okay. And then you kind of like cut it down to shape and then you like cover it in silicone and then you like pat substrate down on it. And so you like build, you like build all your features and then like build it up and then you like nestle all your plants and stuff and then you like mist it. (laughs) And then if you get like, you can get like insects, you can buy like kits of insects for. Aquariums that will like function as a cleanup crew so you can get like a couple <laughs> beetles who live in there with your gecko, and your gecko's not gonna eat the beetles, and the beetles are gonna oh. clean up all the geckos' skin flakes
1: right right, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. This is so cool. I haven't
0: yeah, it was hard to not talk about it in the intro, but fortunately, we ended up talking about some other stuff, yeah, but I just love I'm really into this idea now. It's like, well, what if I just got an aquarium and like, made a you know there's like a waterfall or something that you can turn on and off and then Uh. like all you really need to do that is like a water pump and um then like okay well what about uh what about like you know a little shape and structure and maybe i can like build things so i want to get this like big ass tank that's like huge And build, like, three trees and have, like, multiple geckos so they can, like, hang out in the different trees. You're supposed to give them plenty of places to hide from you and each other. Okay. Because they like to just kind of hang out. And uh, they like trees. They like climbing. You know, they got those weird finger things.
1: Right. (laughs) The van.
0: You shouldn't keep two males together, which. (laughs) Tell me about it. You know, <laughs> and then like you, uh, you know, you have to be careful. They can be territorial sometimes.
1: Oh my gosh! Do you think would you be interested in getting one of these, the crested ones?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. A lizard's kind of a tough sell. Just like generally, like I want to bring a lizard into the home. Uh huh. And I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to really say anything with certainty right now because it just you. feels like everything's so fragile and like if all of a sudden i just have to like bug out i yeah i mean like a lizard's you know that's some responsibility
1: true it's true well you can get your terrarium in place first you know
0: right 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 that's what i think i'm gonna do i think i'm gonna set the achievable goal of like finding a inexpensive aquarium and obtaining it Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe like get one that is not the size to fit a gecko but is like an appropriate size for the space that I have right and you know have a little sort of zen waterscape sort of vibe
1: this this sounds so fun yeah I'm
0: kind of feeling some of that direction love it thanks
1: I mean these guys are really cool I've never really paid much attention to these pictures but I love how (laughs) they're so photogenic and also I love all the pictures of them like with their tongues out. There's a lot of tongue out gecko pictures.
0: Yeah, they like sticking out their tongues.
1: They sure do. Oh, well, I'm very excited for this journey you're going on, Mike, regardless of whether a gecko comes into the picture or not. But
0: thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can it's also so get fun. these like little mini crabs that are only like an inch across and you can create like a crabscape that they like live on. You know, yeah, oh. like that's kind of fun, right? Yeah. Maybe I need a crabscape. Maybe I just need to like check in with my crabby pals and be like, how are you guys doing over here? Everything cool? OK, great. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Here's I'm not...
1: stay silent if you're good. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah.
0: Everybody <laughs> raise your pincer <laughs> if you'd like to bring an issue to my attention.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's so cool. I'm excited for you.
0: Thanks. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I feel like maybe this like micro pet terrarium journey is like maybe that's maybe that's a good place.
1: Well, you'll have to keep keep us all updated.
0: I will. I will. Okay. Well, um do you have any questions, queries, concerns, traumas?
1: Definitely not.
0: I know that was mostly just an aquarium presentation, but
1: <laughs> Well, hey, you're in the right place for it. So, Yeah. I'm here yeah. for it.
0: All right. Well, break time. Break
1: time. Hey, Petunia. How's it going?
0: What's that, Jerry? I I can't hear you.
1: Hey, Petunia. How's it
0: going? Oh, pretty good, Jerry. How are you?
1: I'd be better if I didn't have to slow down every sentence for you.
0: Oh, I know, Jerry. It's just my big old elephant ears are plugged up with big old chunks of earwax.
1: That's a real problem, Petunia. Earplugs are a problem for us pachyderms. It's not like we're a cetacean with earwax plugs that accumulate over years and can be used to determine our age.
0: I heard like half of that.
1: Well, here, try these. Brand Clubby's new elephant eardrops! Huh? Oh, just read the label, Petunia!
0: Brand Clubby's new elephant eardrops. Oh, wow! These help
1: remove my earwax plugs? They sure do! Brand Clubby's new formula is strong enough for a whale, but pH balanced for a pachyderm.
0: Uh, I, I still can't hear you. Hang on. Whoa! Whoa! wow, I can feel it working.
1: You'll notice full effects in about 15 seconds. I
0: heard you say seconds clear as day. Amazing.
1: It sure is, Petunia.
0: My whale cousin will be so excited. She's always trying to appear younger, but her suitors are always able to tell her real age from her earwax plugs.
1: Well, that's definitely an off-label use of the product, which isn't officially endorsed by Brand Clubby.
0: It says right on the bottle strong enough for a whale but pH balanced for a pachyderm.
1: Solid point. Brand Clubby is not liable for any use amongst cetaceans.
0: Oh, whatever, Petunia. Now I'll just pretend I can't hear you.
1: Use code CLEAREARS25 for 25% off when buying from the Brand Clubby web portal.
0: Now that I heard.
1: Also hear the sounds of Allison Rains playing. We must be in the feed bag. <laughs> must be. All right.
0: I think we're in the feed bag, Meredith.
1: Cynthia from Harrisburg would like to know how does a penguin like their eggs? Um, I, Cynthia, I'm just wondering how would they like them cooked? Ooh,
0: I, I didn't think of that.
1: Or how? Yeah, because I mean, if it's like eggs they've laid, we know they like to keep them on their feet,
0: right? Right. Foot eggs.
1: They want foot eggs, but maybe they're into a nice scramble. Or granted, they didn't lay it. (laughs) Granted, it's not one of the eggs they laid.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. I think that penguins like their eggs inside of the body of the delicious fishes that they eat. Genius. I think that's the penguins preferred way to eat eggs. I think they just want the whole fish. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like when they bite into it and the eggs just kind of like go willy nilly everywhere. Let's
1: do a little squirty squirt. Like,
0: yeah. Maybe they're like satisfied by that. But I think that it, I think it, it likes fish eggs, it likes raw fish eggs, fresh, mm-hmm. fresh, 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 still alive.
1: Yes. Fresh. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that it- is exactly how a penguin likes their eggs. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding,
0: ding. Ding, ding, ding. Well, Dave from Hudson wants to know, what's the best strategy for a beetle to cope with a panic attack?
1: I just... I don't know why I feel so hard for this beetle, but I... I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Look, I'm not trying to diminish the beetle experience or say anything... But I guess what I would, the first thing that I'd like to tell that beetle is that this form of your life is fleeting. I would hate for you to spend that period of time just sort of lost in a sea of anxiety. And I guess um, I would encourage you to breathe and to speak to a professional. Maybe there's something that's triggering this that a professional uh, counselor could help you identify. Mm-hmm. Or work through with mm-hmm. you. But uh but yeah, I, I would say I would say in the moment, just remember your breath. Yeah. You know, that's what I would tell that little beetle.
1: Yeah. I would say, you know, you might you might want to just flip on over onto your back, kind of in that helpless position, and just wait it out, wait for a bird to come along and snatch you up. But don't fight that. Oh, yeah. Fight no. that. No. I would say
0: Bellies down.
1: Bellies down. For sure. Take deep breaths. Maybe hide out somewhere cool and dark, protected. You know, you want to feel safe during these times. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, professional help is always great. So, yeah, I, I think that's our advice.
0: Yeah. Don't just bury your head in the substrate. No. Talk it out.
1: Talk it out. Swing those antenna around. See what's mm. out there.
0: Yeah. Well, ding, ding, ding. All
1: right. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. So our final question comes from Samuel in East Lansing, who wants to know, if you could have any other animal take the place of the Charmin bears, what would it be? Mm. <laughs> oh. This must be in response to me feeling weird about the Charmin bears. I think... It would be really fun to see a snake, (laughs) a Charmin snake.
0: Sure, sure. Because they
1: don't have hands, so they'd have to, like, take the toilet paper in their mouths and kind of coil up around, like, in a circle, kind of dab at their orifice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess they could use the tip of the tail to kind of, like, wrap around and, like, get all (laughs) around their anal plate, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to go with snake introducing the new Charmin snakes. And then they could show little graphics of the little like leftover bits of TP on the snake's rattle. <laughs> <laughs> See, the snakes do a little happy dance, a little like undulation, because they know that their butts are clean. <laughs> their snake butts. <laughs> 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 what do you think, Mike?
0: Well, Meredith, I'm just, I guess, in this moment, when I have the opportunity to pitch... An animal that has really piqued my interest and has, I've been very fascinated and compelled by that perhaps does not have the best representation in popular culture. I would go for the Portuguese man of war. Oh My yeah, Midarian friend. Yes, and yes, I know what you're thinking, but Mike, that stings. And like, I'm not saying that the shaman is stinging, but it's more of like a sort of interest introducing this concept of symbiosis and like sort of meta-organisms to the masses, you know. And I think sure. just harping on that about how this organism is successful only because of its cooperation and collaboration, and it's sort of acceptance that these different specialized parts of itself are what are necessary for it to live, right. just live, not necessarily do anything besides just live, you know? And so, uh, I think that's really compelling. And I think that it would be great if that those concepts entered the public consciousness. And I think maybe the Portuguese man of war is the right ambassador for the Nadarian phylum, and uh, I just, given this opportunity to pitch an idea to the Charmin executives, how could I possibly pass that up, you know? Can
1: I just ask one clarifying question? Don't jellyfish or nadarians, don't they poop out their mouths?
0: Yeah, they shit out their mouths. They shit where <laughs> they eat. They have one cavity, the gastrovascular cavity, the GV cavity, yeah. and they like... Bring their food in, and then it like digests, and then they like expel it out. The it's kind of like a mono orifice. So of thing. this
1: could be like Charmin. This could be some like what would this be? Um, like vertical vertical integration, where one product creates the need for another. Sure. So napkins to toilet paper. Sure. You could just market an all-in-one product. Sure. To the Nadarian.
0: Sure. Sure, like one box that comes with both, the Nagarian pack. That plays into the sort of concept of two different things making up the one thing.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah,
0: so this actually would work in a big box store as well. Right. You hear that, Costco?
1: Hear that, Costco and Charmin? We out here with the ideas.
0: Yeah, if you get really creative, like as you purchase the different things, you can assemble a sort of sculpture that looks like a Portuguese Man of War, even. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying, like, I'm just pitching ideas here. I'm just, I
1: know, you're on a roll. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think ding, ding, ding. We're really, ding, ding, ding. Really awesome yeah. Things.
0: Snakes and Portuguese man of war.
1: That's incredible. All right. Well, I guess what a great episode. Talking boobies, talking geckos, talking, shitting out your mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. We're kind of covering the bases.
1: <laughs> As it were.
0: Yeah, learning, you know, new frontiers on the concept of reproduction and gender and new thoughts and feelings about all of that. And just, I don't know, I guess emotions about what life is and what what dogma is and what just, I don't know, living is all about. That's
1: what is living all about?
0: Yeah, that's that's what we're trying to get to. So uh, keep the questions coming. AnimalFanClubPod at gmail.com.
1: You know, we love to hear from you.
0: And have a great day. Bye. Bye. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Juergens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences.
1: Send us your listener feedback questions to AnimalFanClubPod at gmail.com.
0: Follow us on Instagram at AnimalFanClubPod at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno.
1: And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app that really helps us out.
0: Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.